So welcome into episode two of the Fourth and Winges podcast with your hosts Mark and Rob. Um, if you're listening for a second consecutive week, then a special thank you and shout out to you. Um, it's um, we were just talking off air, Rob, that it's been quite surprising how many listeners we got in in the first week. I think we we're up to about eighty nine now. So um, wow. Yeah, exactly. Now they maybe have only listened to two seconds, but um, I'll I'm take taking, it. I'm taking the number. So yeah, it's about eighty nine. So thank you very much to anybody who has given us a listen. Um, we yeah. appreciate that. If um, anybody wants to sponsor us, we are open to financial um, <laughs> coercion, anything like that. Give us a Absolutely. shout. Get in touch. <laughs> um, and um, what what's been great actually is some of the um, kind of comments and feedback that we've had so far has been very positive. Um, and also we've had quite a few sort of ideas um, listener questions, things like that, which was which was kind of unexpected, really. Um, so, again, thanks for that. Um, so today we're going to kind of kick off, I think, um, with some NFL news. Uh, we're going to touch on some draft um, draft stuff, some pro day results that, that happened last week. Um, we're going to briefly um, talk about fantasy football again. Um, we had a question from. From a listener about um, about that, so we want to just touch on that, and then there's a specific a new segment that we're kind of going to put in this week that wasn't in last week, of course, and that is the a listeners' question section, um, because as I say we did get quite a few um, questions coming in from from people. Admittedly, um, most were people that we knew, but either way, um... don't ruin it. <laughs> so We've never we'll... met him. To be fair. Well, no, that's good. Cool. No, we've never met, have we? But we um, we play in uh, fantasy football league together. So, um, and then um, we've also going to introduce um, another new segment, um, which is going to finish off the podcast each week, and that is um, our whinge of the week. Which um, one of one of us is going to bring bring something to the table which is unknown to the other person, and we're just going to have a quick kind of chat about that at the end, just to kind of finish off the off the pod. So that's kind of what we've got planned so far. Um, so with that, um, if we head into sort of NFL news, free agency talk, um, do you want to go first on your point, Rob? Yeah, let's get into it. So obviously, I think the biggest news of the week was the expansion of the schedule to 17 games. Um, so that came about as a result of the uh, collective bargaining agreement that was signed uh, in the off-season last season. It doesn't come as a massive surprise. I think they're always going to try and introduce it as soon as possible. Um, from a player point of view, I, I guess I could see it both ways. Uh, they now get an increased share of the revenue, but then is that, you know, what's the impact of injuries and they have to play an additional game? How does that kind of affect things? I think the biggest thing that I wanted to talk about really was, um, well, the lack of symmetry, I think, is going to wind yeah. me up. Um, so, you know, if Jeff Fisher ever comes back into the NFL, he's not going to be able to go eight and eight. I mean, what's he, <laughs> I guess he could go eight, eight and one. That would be a very Jeff Fisher season. Um, but... That aside, I think the the biggest impact for me is the uh, the impact on the uh, individual records during the season. Um, the end. The last time this happened, I think the NFL went from fourteen to sixteen games in nineteen seventy eight, and th there's so many asterisks that is against you know records already. So um, Eric Dickerson has the um, regular season rushing record of two thousand one hundred five yards. That was in nineteen eighty four with the Rams. So that was sixteen games. Um, but OJ Simpson, um, yeah, we're all right mentioning OJ, are we? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the Bills in 1973, in 14 games, which were 2,003 yards. So 
which is the bigger achievement? It, yeah. it, that's the issue I kind of have with it. You know, last season, Derek Henry went over 2,000 yards uh, for the first time. Adrian Peterson's done it in recent years. Chris Johnson. Um, yeah, I just don't like the the asterisks in the record books. I don't know what, what your thoughts are, Mark. Yeah, no, I, ag I agree. It kind of muddies the water a bit, doesn't it? But I think that my counterpoint to that, I guess, would be, particularly in more recent years, the way that the NFL has shifted from a running game to a more of a passing game, you could argue that it's it's more um, it's more of an achievement now because people just don't run the ball as much. So for, for me, um, Henry doing that last year, um, you know, in his last couple of seasons in particular, he's been really good and going over 2,000 yards last year. Um, as I say, in an era when people tend to throw the ball so much more, um, yeah. you know, he's kind of the counter-argument to that. But you're right, kind of just lining them up um, side by side, it, it's difficult, isn't it? And it's going to, yeah, further further muddy the water, if you like, moving forward with an extra game. But but I think, um, personally, I, I'm never going to complain because it's more football. Um, it gets yeah. rid of one of the, I think they're dropping the last pre-season game, aren't they, too? I believe they go down to three pre-season games, yeah. Season one, kind of extend, if you like. But, um, yeah, those, those pre-season games aren't the best. So I suppose that's the other impact, really, is that on... Kind of your undrafted rookies and your and your fringe players are going to have one less game potentially. That well, they will have one less game to shine. So yeah, it kind yeah. of does have a bit of a knock-on effect there as well. Um, but all in all, I'm kind of yeah, I, I love the idea, love the concept, and it Give wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, like you said, if if they were to extend it again. Um, I think and, that's only a matter of time to, to line it up. Again. The next CBA is due in 2031, so I think we can almost pencil in 2032 as an 18-game season straight yeah. off the bat. Yeah, for me, because um, I think the like you said about the kind of the fact that it's not um, the, the lack of symmetry to it. The, the the way they're doing it, as I understand it, is that this this year the AFC teams all get an extra home game. Correct. And next yeah. year it'll rotate around to the to the NFC. So. There's some great games in there, though. I think um, you've been the Chiefs fan. I think you're now playing the Packers, aren't you? Yeah. In that additional yeah. 17th game. So there's some yeah. some really interesting games. I think they've matched the divisions up, haven't they? And they've gone first place first. Yeah. Um, so that, that we've, we've got some really good additional games there, to be fair. And I think another thing that it will do, we, it will add more... It will bring the worst and the best teams close together again. It will add, yes. which is what the NFL is really good at anyway. But but they'll because what you're doing, like you said, there is you're you're aligning where you finished with that extra game. So the better teams are playing the better teams from last year, and the worst teams are coming from the worst. So two teams with bad records last year will be playing each other. So one of them will get an extra win in theory, and and vice versa. So yeah, it will be bring more kind of parity, which is what the NFL does does really well. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. No, I think it's good news. Um, good news, and I yeah, I was I was pleased to hear that. Of those 17 games, how many do you think, this is a seamless uh, link into our next piece on the news, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo will play? <laughs> um, Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo, I put my teeth in. Um, I expect him to play some, um, and I expect him to play them probably with the 49ers um, to, to kick off the season, because that's what... Um, I think that's the most likely because I think if they think they're going to shift him um, and for a first round pick, that's kind of what they're asking for. That's um, that's what I've heard that they they want for him, um, which I guess yeah, you, you, 
in any in any kind of um, deal, you you start with what you you know above what you want. So I think what they I think they'd be more than happy to take a second round pick, which is what I think they paid for for yeah. him. Um, and what he what he was as coming out, wasn't he? I think he was a second round pick as well. So, um, yeah. so I think that's more realistic. But they're saying they want a first. Maybe they will get that, maybe they won't. But um, I do expect him to play some games potentially at the start of the season for the 49ers. But yeah, he certainly won't be playing 17 for them, I don't think. Where, um, where do you think he ends up if he does get traded? Well, I think the obvious answer is New England, isn't it? But um, but I, I, I don't know about that. Um, I think... So the thing is, when he when he first came out, I didn't know that much about him. I'll be honest with you, because he played for um, a small school. Um, I think yeah, Eastern Illinois. Yeah, it was that same school as Romo. Did yeah. I? I think Tony Romo. I think played there potentially. Um, but um, yeah, so I didn't really know that much about him, and I was surprised when the Patriots took him that high when I'd never heard of him really. Um, but then. In the games he played for for New England, I thought he played well and wasn't surprised to see him get that get that move. Um, and then in, in in the early days for San Francisco, he played really well. He looked really good. He and, was incredible, thought, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I thought he was um, he was going to be going to be a star really. And I think then what's happened is he's he's kind of leveled off and turned into what most quarterbacks are in the league, and that's kind of middle of the road quarterbacks, and that's kind of what he is. Um, not saying that the Bears wouldn't love him, um, or there are teams out there that probably would would take him over yeah. over players that they've got, but but I don't think anyone will be clamouring for him. Um, I think for me, it's the injuries as well. He's he's just not he just can't get through a season. Um, no. that, that's the big red flag for me. You know, his talent. He's he's probably not in the top tier of quarterbacks, but he's probably you know he's above average. I would say, but yeah. part of playing in the NFL is playing playing all the games all season um oh that was a bit of a rookie error phone wasn't on silent <laughs> you, you know if you can't if you're not on the field then yeah you're not contributing now you know they've had to try out nick mullins and cj bethard for the past couple of seasons and it that's ultimately what's what's kind of sunk them so yeah yeah i can't blame them for moving on I, I applaud the move and um you know that's the move that winning teams make you go out and if you think you've got a chance to get your franchise quarterback and to improve things you've got to go and do it so i'm, I'm never going to it's not going to be off for making that move at all. No, definitely not. Um, the um, the next thing um, that we were going to talk about is the is just just really more. It's not exactly massive it's huge news, biggest news of the week. <laughs> but um, just because um, of our links to the Chiefs and the Jags as being fans of those two teams, um, I thought it was an in it was interesting that Damien Damien Wilson, um, the linebacker. From ex Chiefs and Cowboys linebacker has been signed with the Jags, and just wanted to get your your thoughts on him, what what you know about him, and how you see thinking he might fit into the Jags, and if he will even play. I guess. Well, initially, I thought it was Damien Williams um, when I read it because I misread it, uh, which which I'd have been quite happy about as a as a complimentary piece of running back. But um, there we go. Uh, no, um, yeah, I think it fits in with what we've done through the whole off season and free agency. We've not been um dining at the top table if you will uh we, we've kind of we made a lot of signings early doors a lot of them have been for depth um i think of the 13 players that we've added seven have been on the defensive side of the ball it would have been eight uh, if tyson alulu had gone through his signing but he ended up going back to the uh the pittsburgh steelers which i was a little bit gutted about but 
but hey how i'll get over it if that's the worst thing that happens to us this season i think we'll be all right um yeah so i think he's, he's probably going to be a you know a bit of a rotational piece for us um add quite a lot of depth um at the minute we've got uh, joe Schober and uh, miles jack there he's not going to be replacing either of them two he can come in and give us you know a bit of an a bit of experience um we're gonna have quite a quite a young team hopefully for the draft picks pan out you know he's, from what i know about he's quite physical he's you know plays inside quite a lot i think he will probably fit our scheme quite well um that's, that's kind of where we've struggled sort of in the past um he's from what i've read he's uh he's quite good in the run game which again is we've just got absolutely gashed by the running you know in previous seasons i think going back to derrick henry last season uh, we were part of the reason why he got 2000 yards because he just ran <laughs> all over us um yeah it just gives a bit of competition we've still got um uh, so our so picks in the past couple of drafts we've got quincy williams there and uh shaq quartermain um didn't really give us much over the past couple of seasons but hopefully they'll start coming through and if he can sort of um use a bit of cover and, and sort of bring those along a little bit then then yeah i'm i'm good with it in uh in trent we trust that's what i was <laughs> yeah no absolutely i think you're right in terms of kind of the type of play that he is i think he was he was definitely our kind of best run um run stopping linebacker um but i think we with the scheme that we play i think we need somebody that's a bit more athletic and a bit better in kind of um on passing downs i think that's why we've probably not kept him um but he yeah he does he does like to throw himself about and you know he, he's, he's played okay for the chiefs so you know i wouldn't knock him as such but but like you said i don't think he's going to be starting for you is he it's it's a good depth signing yeah definitely and um I, I'm all good with that. Yeah, we needed to improve defensively, and uh, you know, hopefully with that, and it should give us a little bit more manoeuvrability in the draft to, um, you know, maybe surround Trevor Lawrence with with some weapons and make a few improvements. Um, we can get into sort of mock drafts and things um, on another show, yeah. but just hopefully gives us a bit of flexibility. We've got a lot of picks. If we decide we want to trade back up to, you know, somebody starts falling, then I, I think that, from my point of view, we, we've been set up quite nicely for that, really. Yeah, I think, yeah, I suppose as well from a Chiefs point of view, I think it, it points and we'll, again, we'll get into the kind of mock drafts and, and what we think like the Jags and Chiefs and other teams should should be doing in, in later pods. But 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 for me, yeah, the Chiefs, we've, we've been lacking at linebacker um, in terms of an elite linebacker for, for since Derek Johnson left, basically. And um, and I think um, we, we, having left William Wilson go, sorry, um, it, it's it's clearly one of our top sort of three or four needs and and i'd like to see us us go there in the draft there's a couple of people who i really like that that kind of fit where we're picking at the end of round one or into round two so um i'd be looking for us to to, to certainly draft a, a young a young rookie to pair with with willie gay who we drafted last year who, who yeah. showed showed things in in bits and pieces um but again um i don't know if he's if he's going to turn into that elite linebacker that you that you'd want but but we'll we'll see it's only obviously going into his second year so um and then the other thing that kind of popped out at me um again there's a bit of a chiefs link here obviously um but i heard that the the texans were potentially interested in in signing alex smith um which i thought was interesting given um given the fact that they've already signed a couple of quarterbacks this offseason um Obviously, with everything that's going on with Deshaun, just Deshaun Watson, we touched on. Are we, are we calling Ryan Finley a quarterback? 
<laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Right, okay. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He he played well in college. I I, I like Ryan Finlay. Um but um yeah, he's a quarterback um, or a clip clipboard holder or something. <laughs> um but yeah, I, th I just thought it was interesting because as I say personally I love Alex Smith. Um I loved Alex Smith um when he was at the Chiefs. Um I, I kind of had a lot more respect and admiration for him when I'd watched the video um, program about him and his leg and how serious it was and all of that and what he's had to do just to come back and play football again. Um, it was a fantastic story last year. Um, and then you hear that he's got, that he's getting cut from, from the, the Washington football team. So you're like, oh, what's he going to do? He's gonna, surely going to retire, but clearly he wants to move on and keep playing and, um, you know, um, you can do a lot worse than just having Alex Smith in your quarterback room because um, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes would be the first to tell you that. Um, um, you know, he, he helped him loads when um, when he was drafted and he's just generally a nice guy to have around. So it would be interesting to see if that happens. Um, that's that's kind of my thoughts and what I wanted to say on, on that, really. I mean, I'd absolutely echo that. I mean, what a great guy. Um... I think he's. I think he's can still. He can still play. I think we saw that last season. He's, you know, he's still gives you that aspect of mobility. Clearly reduced a bit, you know, due to his age, due to his injury. But you know, ultimately, I suppose he guided the uh, the football team to the playoffs last season. Um, and as you said, the big thing he gives you is just that veteran presence. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I imagine. I was hoping that that we'd sign him as a backup. To be quite frank, if we yeah. let Minshew go, I think yeah. he'd be great mentor for Lawrence. You know he's been a been a number one overall pick. Uh, been a number one pick before. Yeah. Um, you know, coming from the Niners, getting traded, all the adversities had to deal with. Um, you, you know, superb and yeah, great guy. And I'm I'm so pleased for him last season coming back, playing all the games he played, and getting comeback player of the year. I don't think that's ever been more well deserved. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Right then. Um, so the the next thing on on the the kind of subject list is the NFL draft. We'll move on to that. Um, not a lot happening this week, really. There were a few few pro days. Uh, no, no fantastic trades like that we got the week before um, to talk about, sadly. Um, but there were a few kind of high-profile players that had their pro days um, sort of in the last seven days or so. Um, and I wanted to just touch on um, a couple of a couple of players really that that kind of stood out to me both positively and negatively um, and um, again get your thoughts on them on those players and whether you saw um, any of the pro day coverage or anything like that so I'll kind of kick it off with um, some some standout performances really um, Jamar Chase LSU wide receiver um, my number one wide receiver in this class many people's um, is not far off being the consensus number one wide receiver I think and um, my only concern with any of the prospects that have kind of sat out the year is what kind of shape can they be in if they've not played football for 18 months or whatever it will be come the start of the season. Um, you know, we know his, his, his tape speaks for itself. He's he's, he's clearly a, a great prospect. Um, but he kind of proved that he's in great shape and that he's clearly been looking after himself and he, and he displayed, um, you know, the, all of that kind of explosiveness and... Um, athleticism that you would expect him um, to kind of have. I think he came in at um, just under six, just under six foot one, six six foot and three eighths, um, two, 201 
um, pounds and he's 40 yard dash 4.38 so plenty quick enough um for a wide receiver at that size um and um a vertical jump 41 inches he's three cone um seven seconds flat um you know he, he displayed kind of everything that you were hoping that he would would display and it looked looked really good doing it I think yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. He's, for me, he's, he's definitely the, the number one uh, wide receiver in this draft. Um, I agree. I think pro days have taken a lot more meaning this year. I'm usually somewhat dubious of pro days um, with the combine, etc. I'd much rather look at the tape and I'd much rather go back and look at the production. But like you say, we haven't been able to see that sitting out a year. Last time we saw him, he was playing with Joe Burrow. Um, what are the impacts of that? But yeah, he did absolutely everything he could um, to solidify his position and certainly didn't think anything that would that would dissuade me from that now no definitely not um so i'm going to go from good to bad um it's another wide receiver um somebody that um i've seen on some draft boards as as high as like the fifth wide receiver in this class which is just ludicrous to me um and that's the louisville wide receiver tutu atwell um he was kind of billed as this um kind of almost this Tyreek Hill type player by some people in that, you know, he's kind of undersized, a little bit undersized and, but he's really fast and explosive and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he comes in and measures in at five foot seven, 155 pounds. Um, and he goes and runs a four, four, two. Um, again, in isolation, four, four is not a bad time. Not, you know, it's not that much, um, kind of, slower than um jamar chase but he's five foot seven 155 pounds and he's supposed to he's he's one kind of overarching trait he's supposed to be his explosiveness his quickness and he, he just didn't see that um at all um in any of his numbers his vertical jumps 33 inches broad jump 975 there's just nothing there that kind of um leads you to think he's going to be an elite athlete and and i just i just don't see it i think he's he's a third or fourth round pick at best for me um i think i've got something like eight or nine possibly even more wide receivers ahead of him on my board um yeah wasn't wasn't impressed at all no i think it's very deep a wide receiver this group as well this year there's certainly far more many many more people that i would have on my board uh, you know above him i think he probably needed quite a good day it didn't happen i think going into it people are expecting him to run about four two um, you know, and had he done that, had he shown that, um, that completely changes it. Like you say, if he, if he comes in, it can be you know, Ty, Tyreek Hillis, then you're, um, you're laughing really. Um, it, it, did, it did strike me as, as um, I quite liked the uh, NFL player comparison that PFF have down for two to Wetwell in their draft guide is Tavon Austin. Um, <laughs> well, if anyone's chasing Tavon Austin, then uh, go ahead and go ahead and pick two to Atwell. Um, you're yeah. either way there aren't you um it could be a bit of predictor of future production that i think yeah um, short of jeff fisher getting back in the league um <laughs> can't say that's second jeff fisher mentioned today i need to stop that's yeah yeah <laughs> effing and jeffing hey. um, <laughs> um i think you were you were keen to touch on the two uh, miami um edge players weren't you um as well in terms of um how they how they um went in their pro days because you've got you've got Jalen Phillips um 
and Gregory Russo. They're the two players we're talking about here, the edge edge defenders for Miami. Um, you've got Gregory Russo, who is kind of the bigger, leaner, longer prospect, um, who who's again sat out this year, um, versus Jalen Phillips, who um, is slightly smaller, um, kind of bit bit stockier looking. Um, he played this year and played very very well. Um, and in, in in my mock draft today, he he's been the first um, edge defender off off my board um, in the mocks that I've done. I do rate him. I think he um, you know he looks like a very good player. And I think you look at the numbers from their pro day, and you see Jalen Phillips looking explosive, looking every bit the, of a of an edge player that you want to see, and, and Rousseau just not looking like that at all. Outside of his kind of um, his arm length, his wingspan and just his height. Um, he kind of just underwhelms at everything else. 40 yard dash, 4.69, three cone, 7.5. I mean, you're looking at under under seven is 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 kind of the benchmark, or around seven seconds is the benchmark, and he's seven, seven and a half seconds. Um just just not good. Um vertical jump 30 inches. 30 inches. I mean it's just when you compare that to Jalen Phillips at 36, um, it's a big difference. And and I um, I, I, I I liked his tape. I, he, he was probably my number three edge before the pro day. Um, and I suppose one thing that, that people say is, you know, you sh shouldn't be drastically affecting your rankings based on just a pro day, um, which is fair comment. Um, you know, footballers are footballers and the player should count for more. Um, but I think when you when you're talking about that transition to the NFL, um, it's proven that explosiveness and certain stats, um, you know, mean more. And, and at edge, you need to be explosive, or you need to be really technically gifted with your your kind of pass rush moves, like the bosses and things like that. And and you you just don't necessarily see that with him. Um, so I, I I worry about him a little bit. I think he's going to drop down a, a few boards uh, as a result of the pro day. And, and the opposite to Jalen Phillips, I think. Um, I think you're going to see him kind of move up towards um, the top of people's edge edge rankings, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was the top one or two um, edge players to to come off the board. Yeah, I think it was unfortunate for Russo that he plays with Jalen Phillips, and they happened to have you know they're both at Miami, they were both there. You could see them side by side, and it was you know really obvious uh, as to his shortcomings. As that you know Phillips ran a, a four five six forty. Uh, weighing in at 260 pounds, I mean, you know, wow. His, yep. his, um, his vertical jumps 36 inches. You know, if you want to get up, you know, trying to, you know, bat any balls at line of scrimmage, even anything like that, you know, that, that's going to be key as well. Um, I think he did have a bit of an injury history at UCLA uh, before he transferred to Miami. Yeah. Uh, I think if it, if it wasn't for that, I think he might, might be higher at the boards, but certainly he's absolutely fired up the board with that, with that pro day. Um, I think, yeah, look, looking back at Rousseau, I, I don't know, you know, if you gave him a full pre-season, you, you got him back up to speed. I don't know what he's been doing in terms of working out when he's been sitting out, because um, in 2019, he finished second in the nation in sacks to Chase Young. So he got 15 and a half, Chase Young got 16 and a half. Yeah. Um, he, he was actually a high school wide receiver, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so, yeah, you would expect his, um, his 40 time to be better than that. Um, yeah. But... It, he still does have that size and length, like you mentioned, Mark. Um, you know, and if, if you can give him that training, give him that coaching, get him back to full fitness, then you're right. I think he might drop, but I, I could still see him 
been a very productive player in the NFL. But for me, yeah, Phillips goes above him um, as of right now. Definitely, yeah. I think he's a really good fit for for Minnesota. I've I've um, I've put him in Minnesota to Minnesota in a couple of my mock drafts, and I I still think he's a good fit there. And I think um, you know that they have a um, again I'm rubbish with names. Um, Minnesota's head coach. Oh gosh, it's just completely gone out of my head now. Um, uh, um, Never mind. Anyway, whoever, whoever his name is, Mike he, Zimmer. Mike Mike Zimmer. Zimmer, that's him. Um, so he he's got a kind of a, a history, a track record of kind of um, bringing on kind of good young edge talent. So I think it would be a really good landing spot for him. Um, yeah. You're right. He kind of he was there or thereabouts with Chase Young in terms of in terms of production anyway. Um, that year, um, he's kind of last year before he sat out. Um, so yeah, it, um, I just and he's going to be. I still think he's going to go in the first round. I just, yes. I just think yes. he's dropped down a little bit um, on the boards, and I was surprised at kind of how low some of his numbers were. Um, and the, the, I suppose the last one, um, the last one I wanted to touch on, just again <laughs> from a Chiefs point of view, is um, I think we're going to be looking at um, looking at a tackle. I think um, at the end of the first round, or at least I hope we do. And there's, it's quite, a, it's quite a good. Um, uh, draft for, for tackles this year, um, thankfully. Um, and I think um, somebody that um, had his pro day recently was Samuel Cosme from Texas. And he he looked um, for a tackle for six, six foot four, 314 pounds. Um, he ran a, a 4.840. Um, he bench pressed 36 reps, um, vertical jump of, of 30 inches. So he's jumped um the same he's got the same vertical jump as gregory russo and he's um what 50 pounds heavier um you know he's, he looks very athletic and i think um andy reed and the chiefs the way that we play um i think he will really suit suit our game we when we drafted eric fisher we did so ahead of luke jokel in that draft head of the jags at number two and i think um the consensus was that jokel was the better prospect but um that maybe Fisher was the more athletic. And I think that's what we'll be looking for again is an athletic tackle. Um, and I think Cosme fits that bill. Um, so I thought, he, yeah, he looked he looked very good. I think he should be there for you as well. I mean, there's other yeah. uh, tackles I think probably going to go higher, probably going to go off the board that you're probably not going to have a shot at. Um, just since you keep mentioning the Chiefs, just to mention the Jags, I think I, I wouldn't mind us taking Tevin Jenkins um, with our second pick in the first round. So I think I would have him um over Cosme at the moment um but but yeah absolutely I mean started at Texas for three years he's you know big prospect coming out of uh out of high school um yeah he's, he's, he's been great at, at college I think he's played at both positions so you know you could you could always start him at right tackle move him across I think he'd give you a bit of flexibility uh you know very athletic yeah that, that, let's see, maybe a bit raw, but if anybody, you know, let's coach him up. I think, you know, the Chiefs have got yeah. some of the best coaching staff in the NFL. So definitely, maybe a bit boom or bust, but I would trust the Chiefs to get the most out of him than I would other coaching staffs, like say, the Jaguars. Yeah, no, he, he really intrigues me. Um, so so I would certainly like um, someone like him to be coming, coming to us. Um, there were a couple more I, I was thinking of touching on, but we're... Um, we're uh, Already kind of into the thirty minutes mark, so I'm going to uh, going to skip over that. Anybody... Spin-off podcast of Mark's <laughs> offensive tackle rankings, which will be out <laughs> later this week, uh, clocking in at four hours fifty minutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, 
but no, so we'll we'll move on um, on for now. Um, so the next the next topic we were going to talk about is just fantasy football. And again, uh, as I said in the intro, I don't want to spend too much time here, but I just wanted to um, answer a question that we got um, after the first episode because we mentioned um, one of the leagues that we're going to be in this year, and we mentioned that it was a dynasty league um, and an IDP league. And one of the the listeners that we that we had um, kind of wanted us to just expand on that because. Um, again, with this um, kind of probably mainly hitting UK viewers, um, maybe there's not as much exposure um, to some of the, the those terminologies to, to some of the people listening. So um, the listener we had sort of wanted us to just um, expand on that a little bit. So I thought we could do that just quite briefly, just kind of touch on the on what we mean by that. Um, so the concept of a dynasty league is different. Most most fantasy football leagues that you get. That you see and the ones that i played in in the early days were, were what you call redraft leagues so you each year you redraft from the pool of every all the the, the full pool of players and therefore you get a diff, totally different team every year in theory um and that's kind of probably think the most common fantasy football league that's out there but then you have um keeper leagues which is the kind of the step up from that if you like in terms of um complexity where you've got um, a set number of players that you will keep from your roster at the end of one season going into the next. And um, so you might keep 10 players of a of a 20-man roster and then you will just draft for the remaining 10 positions. And then a dynasty league is, is kind of going that extra bit and you basically keep everybody. Um, and the only people that you draft in your second and subsequent years is the um, rookies. So you draft out of the rookie pool. Um, and so what that what that does is it does bring a different level um, level of kind of competition really because um, it's more forward thinking you're thinking more longer term um, and you're trying to build a successful team for the for the yeah years to come not just kind of standalone you'd be uh, you know it's more more long term thinking it's more real realistic if you like um, and that's what I really like about it and that's why I wanted to do to do the league that we have uh, in such a way to kind of focus on it long term. And it's really good that we've got a great bunch of kind of people um, in that league <laughs> um, who hopefully will be for, for a while to kind of build that. And so that's kind of the difference, um, really. And then in, in from a dynasty league perspective and then um, IDPs, do you want to touch on on sort of the IDP side of it? Yeah, can do. Um, yeah, so on the on the dynasty side of things for me, I think uh, going into the draft, I'm aware this isn't IDP, but I'm just going to uh, talk about something else first. Uh, going into the draft, I had quite a clear idea of who I wanted in my mind. I wasn't really going to draft any wide receivers that were sort of older than 27. I didn't really want any running backs that had been in the league for sort of maybe five seasons tops, just coming off the rookie deal, um, just given where things were going. Um, so in, in that vein, I think what I'm, I think my second round pick, I took Justin Jefferson over DK Metcalf. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that um, uh, Justin Jefferson was 21, DK was 23. I thought it was a bit of a toss-up between those two, but I went for the younger player. And I'm now hoping that I'm set at that position for you know a good number of years going forward until he inevitably does his cruciate this season and <laughs> retires from the league. Touch wood, that doesn't happen. And Justin Jefferson... I love you and I'm rooting for you. Um, so, yeah, on the IDP front, uh, I know this through quite a lot of people. So, IDP, IDP is just individual uh, defensive players. Um, 
So what have we got, Mark? We've got two defensive backs, we've got two linebackers, and we've got uh, two defensive linemen. Um, so I think for me, again, in that ilk, you want to be targeting uh, players that are flexible, that can play a number of positions. So certainly within um, the app that we use, um, just to give you some examples, so I've got Josh Allen, he's listed at def defensive line and at linebacker. I know one of the guys has got Jeremy Chin, who's defense, uh, defensive back slash linebacker. You want to be giving yourself some of that flexibility. And I think the key thing for the in, in terms of defensive players, it's almost the opposite of offensive. You kind of don't want to be going for the big name players sometimes. There are exceptions to that. So, if you know, edge, edge rusher wise, you want to be targeting your TJ Watts, your Bosa's, your, your Miles Garrett, absolutely. But um, in terms of defensive backs, certainly. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be looking at um, Jalen Ramsey uh, for just purely for the point of view that he's not targeted that often. So he's an amazing player, but in fantasy terms, that doesn't show up because he doesn't get the opportunity for interceptions. He doesn't get the opportunities for passes defensed or tackles. Um, yeah. So for me, I was kind of looking a bit further down the board, letting some of the others go for these bigger names, and then then trying to pick up some 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 younger guys a bit further down who who have those opportunities. Um, Probably in a similar way for the linebackers, you want to be targeting the, you know, you Luke Keekley like linebackers um, that, that are going to be getting those interceptions, that are going to be picking up those fumbles, that are going to be running it back. There's a certain kind of player you want to be targeting. I think it is a lot more difficult to pick up some of those players. Um, but I'm a big fan of it. It, it takes out um, that element of luck. You know, if you're just draft, drafting defence special teams, you tend just to cycle through those, get them off the waiver wire. I like the fact, again, it's a bit of a longer-term plan. gives us somebody else a target in the draft. And, and again, it, I think what we're trying to figure out at the moment is, is where their values lie. Yeah. Um, so that's quite difficult at the moment. You know, do I value a Miles Garrett over a DJ Chark? Um, and if you look at their scoring from last season, I think uh, Garrett either outscored him or it was very close. Um, so it's just kind of figuring that through and as we get at it for, for longer I think we'll get there and we'll figure out but that's probably the biggest struggle for me at the moment trying to figure out where those values lie yeah no absolutely I think you've, you've nailed it on, on, on everything you've said then um, especially with like you know it's funny when you see people like Jalen Ramsey going really high um, in the draft no offence to whoever did that in our league I can't think who it was off the top of my head I think it might have been Sean sorry oh, Sean it? He won't um, listen, it'll be fine. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, it, it's funny because, you know, clearly he's the best DB in the league, but yeah. uh, it's not going to really help you in, in, in fantasy. Um, and like you said, the value, just balancing the value of of a, of a second or third tier wide receiver versus a, a starting linebacker, you know, yeah. are they valued the same? Where are you going to pick them, et cetera? Um, and then sort of heading into this rookie draft, where do the defensive players in this rookie draft fit into it? It's going to be really interesting yeah. um, to, to see what happens there. Absolutely. So, um, right. Um, so that kind of touches on the fantasy football stuff I wanted to talk about this week. Um, so we then move on to the listener question. So um, we um, the first question that we, we got this week, and for anybody who's watching on YouTube, I've just popped um, that up on the screen there. So... Adam in Yorkshire has asked us this question. Um, Derek Carr, um, why haven't the Raiders moved on after only win one winning season with him at quarterback? Um, and um, we got we got a few questions um, come to us, and this was the one that jumped out to me. Um, as a Chiefs fan, I thought, oh, this is going to be great to get into 
uh, pummeling Derek Carr and um, <laughs> giving my opinion on him. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I thought it was a really good question. And I think it's typical of the way that the league's going now in terms of what you do with a quarterback like Derek Carr um, and how long do you persist. So I thought it would be a great t- subject to um, to kind of touch on. Um, what I've done, again, for those um, watching on YouTube, I can just bring in um, into the feed here. Um, just production values and everything. Incredible. <laughs> um, just some bits and pieces that I pulled together just to kind of show where, uh, you know, what, what Derek Carr's been doing. So he was, he was drafted um, in the second round um, of, of the draft back in 2014. Um, and um, for the first sort of three years on his rookie contract, um, you can see he's kind of got steadily better in terms of completion percentage and, and touchdown to interception ratios, that kind of thing. And that at the end of the 2016 season, I believe, is when he signed his second contract. You can see he was the highest play, highest paid quarterback in the league at that point, I believe. I think he overtook yeah. Andrew Luck, and he was very quickly usurped by Matt Stafford. But just goes to show the kind of contract they gave him. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see he jumps from less than one percent of the of the total cap for the team to to nine percent, and he's been as high as nearly fourteen percent uh, in recent years. Um, and um, what, what's really interesting as well is obviously quarterbacks are notoriously linked to their record, um, maybe a little bit harshly, but that's what we do. Um, and the um, his, his kind of record as a as a starting quarterback is outside of um, his his third season um, is not great. Um, and also in that time, you know, the the Raiders have have never won the the AFC West either, um, which again, you know, you you are judged on wins and how you do in your own on um, division so um as a Raiders fan I can imagine that people are starting to get a little bit kind of um annoyed with Derek Carr as a, as a player now because um he's not kind of gone on to that next level if you like um I think as I said I, t- I touched on in episode uh, one of the podcast you know I'm a big PFF fan and if we just look at his grades um and where he ranks um in relation to the rest of the quarterbacks in the league, these are his ranks over the next. Uh, sorry, over over his years in the league, he's, he went. He was thirty five, thirty fifth, tenth, fifth in that um, third year, which is his kind of standout year. Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Then he's gone twenty second, twenty first, eleventh, and tenth. So something of a revival over the last couple of years, um, but still, um, you know. Nothing really to to kind of shout home about, um, and I think for me he's he's kind of um, he's almost showing similar similar pattern of play to to, to Alex Smith at the Chiefs um, in that you kind of know what you're going to get from him, and to some degree he's reliable, and you know he's going to pick up seven eight wins potentially every year, and he's he's not going to do too much to kind of um, hurt you as such um but he's certainly never going to win you a super bowl in my opinion and i think uh, as a raiders fan you've kind of got to be um you've got to be looking at um at how you go on and push on and, and 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 win a super bowl um and i personally just don't see that happening with with derek with derek carr at quarterback i i, I totally agree i mean 
He wears number four as a homage to his favourite player, Brett Favre, and I think that that's very much where the similarities end there for me. <laughs> um, it, it is a tough one because he's been a good draft pick, you, you could say. He leads the Raiders. He's got a load of their records at the moment. Um, it, it's, a, it's a tricky one. You know, he's gone to the Pro Bowl a couple of times, but he, he's never going to elevate you above that le- above that level. Um, to steal a segment from... So one of my favourite podcasts, a bit of the inspiration behind doing this, was the Around the NFL podcast. And they talk about the Dalton scale. So a few years ago, it was that Andy Dalton was the prime meridian of quarterbacks. If, if your quarterback was better than Andy Dalton, you had your franchise quarterback, you were set. If you were worse than Andy Dalton, then you needed to, you know, you needed to get better, you need to improve. And I think for me, that's that's right about where Derek Carr is now. He's he's very competent. Like Mark said, he won't he won't ever really turn the ball over or cause you to lose any games, but he's just not going to elevate you to that to that next level of play. And I, I think we went through. Did we we averaged his ratings out? I think Mark and he was sixteenth in yeah. his time in the league, which is yeah. bang in the middle, obviously of thirty two. So yeah. for me, yeah, I think for you, the Raiders, you've kind of got a look to move on. But as you said, he's going to get you seven or eight wins most seasons. So. You, you're always in those sort of that, that odd part of the draft where unless you start trading, unless you start making a move, you, you're never really going to get up and have a chance with uh, with one of the one of the premium quarterbacks in the draft. So, yeah, no, it's a strange I, one for me. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing, I guess, to, to, to just add into that is the so I've put, also put in there the PFF's um, offensive line rankings during the, during the, the Raiders' time with, with Derek Carr. And, and to be fair to him, you know, he, his best year... Um, 2016 he he was working behind the fourth best offensive line so again it, it strikes me that you know again you, you put the better better players around him he's going to perform better that's that's kind of stands to reason um whereas the last few years um the last three years they've they've ranked 28th 15th and 24th um and although he's had a good couple of years um a decent not i won't say good but you know kind of statistically better, good better than say. better than average the last couple of years mm-hmm. Um, he, he's been working behind not a great offensive line. Um, so, you know, you could argue that maybe if they improved that, maybe you'd get some better production out of car. But I'm still not buying that he's going to win you a Super Bowl. And I think, therefore, they're in this kind of predicament where his contract runs out um, at the end of 2022, I believe. Um, and so this year, if they were to cut him this year, um, they'd save around... 19 and a half million dollars with two and a half million in dead money um dead money being money that they've already spent to him that they 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 would have to just give up even if um he wasn't playing for them whereas next year there's no dead money and they can release him and save just under 20 million dollars so for me Derek Carr you're almost on a um a one-year deal here where I think if you don't do something different if you're a number you know I don't know, eight through sixteen quarterback this year. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna cut it. And I would be massively surprised if they offered him a new contract at the end of this, you know, this this current contract. I think they'll be looking to move on um, shortly. I agree. I'm very surprised they never gave Mariota a go. To be honest, uh, I, I don't think he's the answer at all. But just to give them that little bit of a spark, similar to the way that when the Titans moved on from Mariota, they you know Tannehill's come in and he's he's had a bit of a renaissance. Yeah, give that a go. Just try something, do something different. You know, Mariota gives you that, that athleticism, that you know, that running ability. Don't get me wrong; I don't think he's a 
he's an incredible quarterback, but, but let's see what he's got. Let's see what he can do. Um, other than that, they're, they're going to struggle unless they sort of trade away some of their, well, they've, they've basically traded away all their offensive line and some of their key players this season. I don't know what the plan is of the Raiders, you know, no. letting Rodney Hudson go, letting, you know, Gabe Jackson, what, what is the plan? How no, have, I don't know. How have they got better? What have they achieved in this off season? I, yeah. I don't. I don't see it. So I mean, you know, letting Nelson Aguilar go. He had a good season last season. You brought in Henry Ruggs in the draft. Obviously, I think Henry Ruggs needs to needs to take a leap. Um, but yeah. does you know does Henry Ruggs play to Derek Carr's strengths? Probably not. Um, you got Brian Edwards, who I like a lot. That they took in, I think, the fifth round last year. Expecting him to come on a bit. You've got Hunter Renfro out of the slot. You know, there's a, there's a makings of things. I think the running back room's very good. They've, you know, got Josh Jacobs. They've just signed Kenyon Drake, which is, you know, a great one-two punch there. You know, maybe maybe second only to um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb at the Browns. Um, so he's got the weapons. He's got Darren Waller. Um, need to start making the most of it. And like you say, Mark, if, if it doesn't happen this season... Um, yeah, I don't think they've got any choice but to move on. No, no, I agree. Like, it's one thing I didn't point out there, but yeah, you're right. He's got the weapons, you know, um, or he certainly have the weapons over the years, mm -hmm. and, and he's, he's he's certainly got um, some good weapons still in Jacobs and, and and Rugs in theory, and Waller certainly, and he should be he should be performing better. I understand he's in a difficult division to win, but that still doesn't mean you can't beat the other teams that you play. It still doesn't mean you can't have ten wins. 11 wins, 12 wins. Yeah, and don't necessarily expect them to, to, to beat the Chiefs, even though I think they did last year, didn't, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. That was when Rooks had the, I think it was an 83-yard touchdown. And, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, they've got the players. They, they can do it, but but you just don't see it on a consistent basis with him. And I think that'll be the the thing that that, that does it um, does it for Derek Carr. And, and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if it happened at the end of this season. That yeah, I agree. Good. That makes all the sense in the world. Right, and then so fine. I hope that um, I hope that answers your question, uh, Adam, and that you get something out of that. Um, and yeah, sorry, um, Adam. Let us let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you think about about Derek Carr. Whether you agree with us, whether you think um, they should be re-signing him, whether you've already kind of had enough of him or whatever. Just yeah, let us know. Um, and then finally, um, we wanted to kind of end future podcasts, as I said at the start, with uh, with our kind of whinge of the week, um, going in, uh, fitting in nicely with our name. Um, and um, we're going to take it in turns to kind of bring something that the other person doesn't know about. Um, uh, you know, we don't know what we're going to talk about, basically. And uh, Rob, you're going to go first this week. Yeah, um, so I'm going to whinge about your podcast hosting. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> Harsh. Uh, <laughs> No, my winch of the week this week um, came through, I think, earlier on in the week. Uh, the Bills have sold the naming rights to their stadium yet again. So we've gone from the rich stadium when it was initially built, um, which is a local food products uh, company in the area, Ralph Wilson Stadium, uh, after their, their old owner. Can't really argue with that. New Era Field, getting a bit dicey now, but, you know, New, New Era, Buffalo Company, synonymous with the NFL, with uh, the... Baseball caps, etc. That it kind of works, but what they've gone to now is it's a local healthcare provider in uh, Upper New York State. So their stadium is now going to be called the Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield Stadium. Which <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, it's absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. I mean, 
Oh, it's not all about that. It's not all about the money, is it? Let, let's get some history there. Let's keep something there. Bill's Stadium last season. Great name. Bill's play there. It's a stadium. Like it. Everybody knows what it is. What the hell is the Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield Stadium? So first of all, it sounds like I'm saying hello to you. That's what I'm that's where um, I was going. I, mean, I, I, I'd not heard of that um, at all. I, I'd heard that they were changing the name, but I hadn't heard what it was being changed to. So that was my honest reaction to that. And I agree. I think it's, it's pretty ludicrous, to be fair, isn't it? I know it's the way in the states they, they do get the sponsorships and call the stadiums that in in a lot of um, a lot of cities. But but yeah, that's um, what's it going to get abbreviated to? Does it abbreviate to something hilarious, which can kind of save the race or anything? <laughs> guess I, I guess it's going to become the Highmark Stadium. But I mean, if I'm Neil Reynolds on, you know, um, Sky Sports, if I'm Scott Hansen, I'm not going to be saying, right, let's go out to the Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield Stadium. I'm going to be saying, let's go out and see the Bills. Let's yeah. go out to Buffalo. It, it's dreadful. I mean, like, you know, Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. That That's quite cool. I don't mind that. I, I, yeah. God, it, it's absolutely awful. I mean... Jags play at TIAA Bank Field, which, <laughs> I mean, that's crap as well, isn't it? But at least it's shorter. Um, I, I did pull out some other um, weird um, stadium naming rights deals that I've seen uh, in England, um, yeah. just to sort of give you a bit of a flavour for it. There was some that some that I liked. One that I, one that I very much enjoyed was uh, Livingston Football Club up in Scotland. Um, their stadium has been sponsored by, I think it's a local um, pizzeria. Uh, up there, so it's called the Tony Macaroni Arena, which I thought was, I mean, awful, but kind of fantastic at the same time. Um, Castleford Tigers Rugby League, um, their stadium is known as the Menderhose Jungle. Wow. It used to be the jungle, now it's the yeah. Menderhose Jungle. If you want any hoses mending, just buy a new one. Buy a new one. Don't get it mended. Just go and buy one. They don't cost anything. What a ridiculous sponsor. And then um, the best one by far that I found, this isn't a sponsorship. This isn't stadium naming rights at all. It's quite historical. So there's a um, smaller football club in the lower leagues. Um, just, I think it's uh, London called Lewis FC. Um, yeah. And they, they play at the Dripping Pan, um, <laughs> which I'm not overly sure of the origins, but I think it's to do with the shape of the ground or the shape of the clubhouse. Uh, but it, it's been known as a dripping pan since its inception, which I just, I think that's superb uh, to end on a positive. But Bills, Bills, sort yourself out. Absolutely yeah. terrible. I, for one, will never be saying those words. No. Ever. And I'll never remember them. That's the thing. So what advertising is it doing if I can't even remember it? Um, what was it? Can you remember what it was called now? High Mark something or other. That's exactly all i remember you need you need a proper stadium like arrowhead that's what people need yeah can you imagine if they started calling it the no, I don't know, the dick sporting good stadium or something no. like that or the... no 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 a very a very um a very worthy whinge of the week um which we uh which we can end on um so yeah so that kind of about wraps up um today's episode um so i think all that's kind of left to say again is thanks for tuning in special thanks to adam for his um listeners question um we hope we did a decent job of answering it um if anybody else wants to um submit a question for future podcasts the easiest way at the moment to to do so is to kind of comment on our youtube page you can find us quite easily um just go on youtube and search for fourth and Windy's podcast and we'll we'll come up um or alternatively if you do know us in person 
you can of course drop us a note on whatsapp or via social media or whatever if in future weeks we kind of get quite a lot of interaction from people we don't know then we'll probably look to set up either an email address or a twitter account or something to kind of handle that but for the moment the best bet is kind of youtube um so yeah and with that um that with that fourth down conversion um we'll say goodbye and um, we'll see you next time on the fourth and Windy's podcast see you next time guys bye bye goodbye